You're listening to the Homelessness Services Association podcast. This is an audio-only version of one of our webinars addressing the challenges of frontline and shelter work during the coronavirus crisis. If you'd like to view the video or look at the slides, please go to hsa-bc.ca. Well, good morning and welcome to HSABC and Vantage Points webinar, COVID-19, Planning Tools and Supports for Nonprofits with Mark Friesen. My name is Sarah and I'm going to be your host for today. So when you use the question section, that's me who you'll be chatting to and there's the face to the voice. Um, it's been a stressful time for many of us as well as those we provide services to. So I just want to say thank you for taking the time to join us today. And hopefully the content we provide will help you to lead well and with courage in the midst of this crisis. We pulled together this webinar on a very fast turnaround and the situation is changing rapidly. So we really welcome your input as we discuss things today, as well as your stories, ideas, and questions. Okay, so let's just do a little poll here. Now that I see all the hellos coming in, this is helpful for um, our instructor, Mark, as well, just to figure out who you are and who's on the line today. So if you can just take a minute and let me know what your role is in your organization, um, that would be great. I know I've many of us maybe would choose more than one or other. I've worked in um Lots of different positions as a board member, as frontline staff, as a manager and a supervisor, as well as a consultant. Um, so you are allowed to choose other. And if you do, you can type in um, what your role is. That would be great. All right. So looks like about 60% of us have voted. Oh, nice jump there. So let's just see the results here. Good. About 50% of you are managers or supervisors. It's great to have you here today because you're making these kind of decisions and planning. And it's also excellent to have frontline staff here as well as other because we, um, we're all a team and we need to make these changes together. And we're really thankful to have Mark Friesen as our instructor today. He's been so amazing to pull together this information and to share from his own experience of leading an organization in the midst of this pandemic. So here's a little introduction of Mark and then he'll take it away. So he's now the um, executive director of Columbia College, but he came to Vantage Point after 14 years working in the, and volunteering in the not-for-profit sector. Before returning to school to pursue a master's of urban studies, he served as an associate association founder, executive director, and has led fundraising, strategic planning, and program development efforts in the sports sector. And he's most excited about the possibilities for citizen engagement through, through the voluntary sector and researching ways to include diverse interests and perspectives in decision-making. Mark, it's a real treat to have you here with us today. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you, Sarah. Yeah, you can hear me okay? Yeah, yeah. Loud and That's clear. That's great. That's perfect. And uh, yeah, welcome to everyone. Um, my thoughts with everyone and hoping that your your families and loved ones are still safe and healthy in this uh, in this time. And uh, appreciate the anxiety out there, uh, certainly that I felt that we felt as everyone is compelled and forced to becoming uh, crisis management uh, experts. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and appreciate Sarah giving the preamble that uh, we put this presentation together 
fairly short notice. Um, it's just a material that I found, uh, we found useful for um, going through, it, dealing with the current state of the world at Columbia College and then stuff I'd come across uh, previously that we piece together and that we're going to be going through today. Um, but I'm not a crisis management or risk management uh, expert. This is just um, coming to you from a colleague in the nonprofit sector, stuff we found useful in the resources we've come across in British Columbia for nonprofits and charities, and so sharing it. And hopeful that many of you on the call will um, be willing to uh, share any valuable or useful resources or tools or approaches that you've come up in continuing operations in the face of uh, COVID-19. Here we go, planning tools and supports. Again, just the stuff that I've pieced together and that we found useful in our planning environment. Do want to acknowledge the territory, unceded territory where I am facilitating from. Many of you from uh, First Nations territory across the province, different regions where I'm situated is Coast Salish uh, territory and always appreciative and cognizant of how we can uh, make amends to the fact that uh, reconciliation of the fact that um, we are operating on stolen lands in our in our case. I'm just waiting for it. And then Vantage Points, um, an organization. So I'm wearing a volunteer hat supporting the team at Vantage Point, whose mission is to connect, convene, and equip not-for-profits across the province. Vantage Point provides tools and resources in the categories at the bottom. Um, and right now, in the midst of uh, this current pandemic, a lot of, I get the sense that Vantage Point is being requested to provide a lot of planning supports in that planning bubble. So if you do have questions about resources or tools that are available for for specifically nonprofits and charities in the current environment, don't hesitate to reach out to uh, Vantage Point. Definitely get in touch with them. And they're collecting a whole bunch of stuff related to nonprofits and charities and also doing some advocacy together with partners that I'll talk about uh, later on. Some additional tools available for Vantage Point if you want to follow up. And then what we're going to talk about today. So... Um, first, just going through resources and supports that I've come across and uh, just sharing those. And I want to say right now so that people are thinking about this, if you've come across particular resources or supports that you found are useful uh, for the um, homeless serving organizations in particular, that would be really valuable to, to share. I'm going to share the ones that have been valuable for in our context. And I think this piece is important because there is a lot right now. There are a lot of there's a lot of information coming out, a lot of, I mean, this seems like a new template or planning document uh, every day, uh, in addition to announcements from different levels of government every day. So there's a lot out there. So uh, honing in on the um, stuff that's going to be useful to you, um, kind of inspired possibly by the stuff that I've uh, got today. And then just highlighting some folks that are offering some leadership um, in the nonprofit and charitable sector right now. And I know the folks on the call, you're all... Um, uh, managers or supervisors or staff with homeless serving organizations and your own community will provide amazing amazing support through HSA, HSA, ABC, Sarah and the team are giving you support. Um, I'm really coming at it to, and in this webinar, to uh, remind you that you're part of a broader nonprofit charitable sector that can also offer support. So you can kind of think you're part of, in your context, you're part of two communities. You're the um, homeless serving and almost this uh, sector, but also you're part of a nonprofit and charitable sector and both those communities can offer you supports in this in this time. Um, then we're gonna get into some pandemic planning. So we've all found ourselves having to be pandemic planning experts, whether we like it or not. And that was uh, certainly the case for us at Columbia College. So going over some um, 
approaches that we've put in place and we'll be still working through in the months to come. And I'll talk more about that uh, long, medium to long-term uh, dimension as we go through. And then we'll end with some scenario planning uh, to equip your organization for the long-term because uh, we don't know how long this is gonna go. Okay, diving right into the first piece, resources. So I'm gonna describe each of these on this slide, and then I'm actually gonna pull up a few, uh, not all of these websites. Again, this is not everything out there. I'm sure all of your email inboxes are full of stuff related to uh, planning and dealing with and responding to COVID-19. This is just some of the stuff that we've come across that's useful. First, I've actually found the Vancouver Economic Commission. I know that many of the folks on the call are from across British Columbia right now, but the Vancouver Economic Commission, their website, and there's a tab at the top that says COVID-19, their list of resources is kept very up-to-date, very comprehensive and very well organized to kind of make sense of everything that might be uh, available. And I, I wanted to highlight that for two reasons. One is it's organized very well and they're keeping it pretty updated. Secondly, is because their focus is on, um, well, I think the language they use is small business, but it's really organizations. Uh, it's really holistic tools that are available to any organization, whether you're a business, a nonprofit, a charity, or, or whatever. Whereas some of the other resources have been focused exclusively on charities that can kind of miss some resources that might be out there. And one of which is this template that Sarah uh, mentioned that I'm kind of recommending um, simply because we found that useful. And it's actually the title of it is a small business plan, but I think it's completely applicable to nonprofits and charities for the simple reason that it's really easy. We're, none of us are meant to be managers of crisis or risk management. Like that's not our job. And you, those of you working in the homeless site, you don't have an additional admin team to be doing comprehensive uh, risk mitigation, uh, community engagement plans. You simply don't have that. And many organizations don't have that. So I like this template because it's really simple and, uh, and easy. Um, the next one I've got on here is just the Canadian government's website on their economic response plan. That's going to be the most direct, reliable, up-to-date place to find what is the government doing to support a whole bunch of people when it comes to COVID-19. And the reason I describe that as a whole bunch of people is it's organized into, you know, tools to support individuals, organizations, businesses, uh, municipalities, agencies, you name it. Many of you may have come across the next one already, BC Nonprofit Housing Association. They've got a fact sheet for homeless service uh, uh, providers. If you haven't seen that, definitely recommend having a look at that. And then this next one will be of interest to, I think everybody on this call, a series of partners, four of them that I'll describe in the next slide, have set up a fund that will possibly make resources available to you. To, to the folks who are on this call right now. So I'm gonna describe that in some detail because I think it's directly applicable to um, HSABC members. And then just a reminder of um, different the different sports are out there that are uh, to support uh, employees. And it's valuable amidst all the information coming at us recently. I think it's valuable to understand this in two ways. You are organizations that have employees. And so what are the tools that are available from different levels of government to support you in paying your people? And paying your people to carry through operations in an environment where maybe your funding is a, gonna be a challenge or is up in the air or is uncertain. 
And then separate from that, what are supports um, that are available if you are in the case of having to uh, close or lay off uh, people? And how can you support employees if you're no longer able to offer them full-time employment? So amidst all the resources, that's a useful way to categorize it. It's okay, what, what are some resources or tools that we need, need as an organization so we can continue to support our employees and pay people if our revenues are going to be a challenge? And then secondly, okay, we, if we are having to make tough decisions about programs or staffing, how can we still support employees that we have to, that we may have to uh, lay off? Um, not super exciting to talk about, um, but an honest appraisal of the reality that many organizations are are in. So with any luck, everybody can see this website I've got pulled up. So this is the first one I mentioned, Vancouver Economic Commission. And although, again, it's described as for kind of small businesses and um, enterprises, completely applicable to any organization, and I use that term organization very holistically, a really good uh, just list of all the resources that are available. I'm not going to go through all of these in great detail. I just found this uh, useful for everything that's out there right now. And also, this is the other reason I like this website is it's a quick place. I've almost used this web page as a bookmark page for the other websites because it has links to all the government pages where uh, provincial and federal governments are providing updates on the tools and supports that they're offering both individuals and organizations. So just like this website, uh, generally, again, I'm not going to go through everything on here in detail. One of the tools on here, this is the PDF that is shared as part of this webinar. Uh, so prepared BC, and it's described as an emergency plan for small business. And again, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but I think it would be a really valuable step for you and your organization to at least complete these two pages. <laughs> so key contact information, the key risks you face right now in the midst of this crisis, and then who is in charge of, uh, of our operations specifically in the midst of this pandemic right now. So things may have shifted. You may have had in your organization to deal with, um, have people in charge of things that weren't part of the job descriptions before or redistribute who's in charge of different functions. I mean, for nonprofits and charities, communications has emerged as a big one. Most of us don't have dedicated communication staff. And right now it's very important to communicate with a whole bunch of different people. And so who's doing that? And maybe you need to split that up, right? So just doing a really short, okay, in the pandemic right now, uh, what, you know, describing each operation or function of the organization and who's in charge of that kind of right now. So kind of never mind job descriptions, never mind organization charts, just who's doing stuff right now and just to have that on a one pager. Uh, we found that useful um, right now to just do a quick outline for that because we've got a big team at Columbia College. And so just delineating in the midst of a pandemic, who's doing what uh, to support all of our operations has been really, really valuable. So I like this one because none of us are. Well, maybe there's people on the call who are, but I'm certainly not a risk management or crisis. So simple tools like this, I've become a big uh fan of. I'm not going to go through the rest. It's really a bit of a contingency plan to record and have all the key information about your organization. I'm not going to go through the rest. I just wanted to highlight that one page that we found useful. Okay, and then the next one, this is the federal government's uh, website. So, Again, I'm not going to spend a lot of detail here. What I just want to highlight is these categories on the left. Because it's at, at, at the onset of this kind of pandemic, our team found it challenging to 
just go through the range of material that was available and to kind of organize it. And it is valuable. And I found these federal categories useful. So what are the supports available just for people? What are the supports uh, available for folks who are going to be in a position where they uh, are unemployed? If you've got to care folks, and then if you keep going, what are supports for businesses? So for the folks on this call afterwards to be thinking, okay, for our planning right now, what are the supports that we as an organization need to be uh, aware of to carry on operations, to do the work that we're doing? What are things that the governments are doing that we need to be taking advantage of? And then separate to that, what are tool, what are things available that individuals can support? And that could be patrons of your organizations, employees, volunteers, board members. And so knowledge and sharing uh, of those tools to share with your folks uh, valuable. So just if you're finding it confusing, the range of information supports that are out there, just useful. I found these categories uh, useful in making, making sense of that. So I want to... I'm going to describe the next two things on the slides um, in, a, in a moment, specifically the community response funds and then um, EI supports. But I wanted to pause here before doing that. Um, is anybody on the call come across useful resources or links uh, related to coronavirus response or supports for organizations? Take a minute to think about that. And as well, if you have any questions up to this point or you want Mark to clarify anything that he's said already, um, please type that into the question box so we can we can help you out with that. Okay, I'm going to keep going, uh, but definitely if, if Sarah indicates there's a question, I'll pause and deal with it. Or again, a resource. If you've come across something useful that you think other organizations across the province need to see, please let us know. Uh, now's the time. Okay, community response funds going to go to this piece. So this is a fund that is available to organizations across the province. And I need to highlight that because it's made available from the Vancouver Foundation, United Way of the Lower Mainland. Oh, goodness. And I had this before. Two, uh, City of Vancouver is the, a third one. Actually, I think it's just those three. So those three organizations have created a fund. And they've been clear that it is a fund intended to be available for organizations across the province. So just because Vancouver is in the title of every single organization I just mentioned, do not think you're ineligible. You, you potentially are. They right now have not at this website that I've got on the bottom of the slide. They've not uh, shared how organizations are to access those funds. So right now it's a wait and see uh, for organizations that are potentially wanting to access those financial resources to continue running your operations. What they're doing right now is kind of soliciting more donations and building whatever process or platform they're going to use to um, get organizations to apply. But it's it's going to be intended to support organizations, to provide money to organizations that do these uh, things. So either support immediate needs of low-income populations, um, to support organizations that are helping alleviate the economic impact of reduced or lost work within the nonprofit sector, um, to support information needs. And I wanted to highlight that one. That one was kind of interesting for me to see. Um, to use an example, in the downtown east side in Vancouver, a separate fund has been set up just to support individuals living in um, SROs, single resident occupancy units. And one of the things that they spent money on right away was getting cell phones into the hands of folks so that people could be 
um, people in the downtown east side could have immediate access to the latest information on what to do, um, things that are closed, where what, what services and supports were still available. So that would qualify here under information uh, need for a vulnerable community, right? So if you and your organization, um, wherever you may be in Smithers and Fort St. John, wherever it might be, have a side of the desk project you've always thought of, of how can we get better information out there to folks who could access their services, then potentially this fund could um, support this. And then this last one, again, it'll be interesting to see how this gets interpreted or the type of applications that the funders receive for funding under this category, mobilizing citizens to assist. So I'd encourage everyone on the call to start thinking creatively um, if you're wanting to access these funds about what uh, either existing program, you might, maybe you're already doing something. And really, I mean, in the nonprofit sector, we're always asked by funders to, you know, invent fancy new programs. If you, you may be already doing something uh, under this category, that maybe you're already engaging volunteers to support your work. To me, to me, anyways, and I'm not a representative of these funders, okay, but but to me, anyway, that type of thing would completely count as a way to mobilize citizens to assist vulnerable uh, neighbors. So start thinking creatively now about whether you're offering current whether you're doing things currently that might qualify or that, or if there's something simple side of the desk thing that you've not implemented that might uh, fall into that, either that category or any of the ones. Mark, can you do, do you, do you happen to know if that was just phones or phone plans or uh, prepaid cards <clears throat> that oh, they handed uh, out? No, I, no, I don't. I don't know that actually. I would assume it was just it was just prepaid because they wanted it done very quickly and they wanted it done in a way that they could simply hand them out without setting up accounts. Yeah, that um, makes sense. So yeah, so I'd assume it was prepaid, but I don't know for sure on that one. That's okay. And again, that was a and, and just to clarify too, that was a separate fund, so that was not this one. Again, money has not started to flow out from this particular fund. Okay. Um, but when I when I saw this information needs one, I thought of that as an example of what that you know this one could look like that. Right. Um, I think anyways. <laughs> good. Yeah. Good clarification. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, the website here, fairly straightforward and just highlighting again, they have communicated that this fund isn't is intended to be made available for organizations across the province. And I do think it's potentially directly applicable to HSABC members. Um, okay, before I go to the next slide, I just wanted to uh, highlight the last item I had from my previous slide, which was the employment supports. There are uh, kind of both levels of government have offered one. It was so well, a couple of things. One is the um, wage subsidy has being made available. And I'm not going to get into the technicalities of that. Suffice to say, uh, all organize, all nonprofits and charities and small businesses, in fact, but for the purpose of this call, we'll focus on nonprofits and charities are eligible for a 10% wage subsidy that you can kind of access right away by simply submitting less to your next pay uh, to income taxes on your next payroll. So you can kind of access funding uh, right away. Now with those support programs, that one, um, uh, that one included many support programs. The legislation at the federal level is still going through and there was a bit of a if anybody's watching the news there was a bit of a deadlock in parliament last night i think late last night they did agree to get unanimous consent and so it should be moving forward uh, quickly but then this morning i saw some news articles that um actually it was some tweets <laughs> from uh mps that they had not reached agreement so um 
today is a day to be uh, paying attention at the end of the day to see if Parliament does pass the legislation uh, required to launch all of these supports that are coming out. So many people have asked me, you know, how do I apply for this? How do, and the answer is, well, you can't apply yet because they haven't, although they've announced it, they haven't actually passed the legislation to do it yet. Um, today is the day at the federal level for any federal supports that they're intending to do that. And then it would go to the Senate tomorrow, uh, Thursday. And then there would be, after that, would be um, when it would be possible to access or start applying for these different programs, right? So if you're not able to find how to access some of these supports, that's because you shouldn't be able to yet. <laughs> um, so very live uh, situation and hopefully it does get through parliament um, today. Um, and this may be, belabor the fact a bit, but a bit technical. Um, if it does not get unanimous, unanimous support, the liberals with majority could still put it through. It just uh, it puts a delay on things. It just means it takes longer to get through the House. Whereas if they get unanimous support, it can go to the Senate tomorrow immediately. So if you're wondering why the confusion on this when the Liberals are a majority, that's what it is. They're trying to get unanimous consent so they can do it very quickly. Okay, I'm not going to dig into the details on that. The other one I wanted to highlight with um, EI support. So if I, I don't know if this is the case for anybody on the call, but if you're looking at the prospect of laying people off and um, you know, making them aware of employment insurance programs that they're available, they're um, that are accessible to uh, folks who are being laid off. I wanted to highlight a separate program that may be getting missed right now because it existed before this pandemic, and that's the Supplemental Unemployment Benefits Program (SUB). So, Supplemental Unemployment Benefit Program. That program is for employers, and again, this existed before COVID-19, before any of this, so it's not going to be highlighted on some of these websites that I uh, put up. Um, it's, an, it's a program for employers um, to top up the employment insurance that people that they lay off are, are getting. So in other words, if you have to lay somebody off, they apply, they get EI, but that's only to a portion of what they were making before. If you as an employer want to top that up, and assuming if you have the funds to do so, which again, may not be everybody here. If you have the funds and you want to top up what they're making, if you have a registered sub supplemental unemployment benefit program with Canada Revenue Agency, you can top up what they're getting under EI and it doesn't count against their EI earnings. But again, you have to have a registered program. And so if you're faced with that, you want to be going through and you're, you're wanting to do that for employees, you may want to have to lay off. You'll be wanting to set up a, I'll say it again, just <laughs> supplemental unemployment benefit program with Canada Revenue Agency that will enable you to, to do an EI top up for your folks. Give me a pause again. Any other resources folks have come across that I've not covered or questions? Looks like we're just listening in rapt attention. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Uh, anytime folks feel free to inter interrupt me because this is... Um, conceivably a lot of information. Okay, moving on from immediate resources to support your organization or the people involved in your organization or some key websites to be monitoring right now. These are just some organizations that I found useful in guidance and leadership uh, right now. Firstly, Imagine Canada. And again, in the homeless serving sector, you may not be totally aware of this organization. They're a federal organization, a federal nonprofit that is there to advocate 
on behalf of nonprofits and charities across the country. Their typical focus is advocating for policy issues that impact nonprofits and charities. They are doing some amazing uh, two things, resource sharing right now, but they're also advocating to the federal government. And they're advocating specifically for six things right now that I think everybody here should be aware of. And if you believe in them, um, to be adding your voice and saying, yes, we as an organization um, in this sector, we support this issue and want to make sure it occurs. And then to be, you know, accessing Imagine Canada's resources as they communicate um, what the federal governments are doing to support nonprofits and charities generally. The next one I've got on here is Union Gospel Mission. So this is an organization located in Vancouver. Many of you may know of them already. And I've simply put them up because they're they're having to, they're essentially, they're going to have to keep running uh, through all this as many of you uh, likely will as well. And their communications and the way they've dealt with the pandemic has been innovative and very clear. Um, so uh, I, I do recommend if you're wondering as an organization, how should you be communicating with folks? What are some ways of doing things? Um, what, what do the people connect with the organization need to know? Going to their website and seeing their uh, updated um, COVID-19 response communications and external plan, would could could be very useful. Um, I've certainly found it useful. Um, they spent a great deal of time crafting their external stakeholder communication plan and then what that looked like to be clear with everyone who's involved in their organization with what's going on. So if you're needing a tangible example of what to do right now, they, they could be a good example. Mark, do you just want to clarify what those six things are that you mentioned? <clears throat> a minute ago. Actually, that's the next slide. So oh, yes, <laughs> totally. We've yeah, got we'll people we'll eager, eager to get to those six. Things. Oh, awesome. Okay, great. Okay, great. Okay, <laughs> we'll get to that then. Uh, the next one, before we do that, uh, Canada Helps. So this again is a, a national organization. It's simply an online tool for folks to solicit donations. The reason I'm highlighting them is they're providing support to organizations that want to set up funds or make it easy for people to donate. Um, to support organizations through the COVID-19 crisis. And if you go to their website, you can see they got a bunch of campaigns going on. And I wanted to highlight that in case any of you see any campaigns there that you want to get involved with. There's a lot of people doing collaborative campaigns. So the downtown east side one I mentioned a minute ago is an example. So a bunch of organizations, rather than individually doing uh, fundraising campaigns, they collectively organized organized to put on a joint or collaborative uh, fundraising uh, effort. So Canada helps us facilitate the creation of those. So um, if you're wanting to, hey, we need to do fundraising right now, like go to them, see the types of campaigns they're running, see if one makes sense for you to be involved with or get their support to set up a campaign. Could be a, a very quick and easy way to set up a, a fundraising campaign to support your organization at this time. And then Vantage Point is doing daily online calls at 4 p.m. that are just open discussions. So just and they're targeted to executive directors of nonprofits just to connect with one another, to ask questions of one another. Uh, every day they've hosted someone different just to share something they've got going on or a cool tool or resource they've got. So they're going to run those daily, um, I think, at least until the end of this week until not longer so um and it's there's, there's no cost or anything so if you're wanting just to connect with other executive directors um uh daily just to as a casual informal but very informational check-in then you can go there okay so imagine canada those six things they're advocating for and i should say too they are actually right now they've set up a 
one of these letter writing campaigns. So you can go to their website and then use their online form to submit a letter to your local MP indicating your personal support uh, for these things. So if you're super keen on this stuff, then definitely go to their website and add your name, um, you know, contact your MP about these uh, about these things. So first, they just is simply just making sure they're advocating to make sure that any federal measures that come out are not only applicable to small businesses or industry, that they're also applicable to nonprofits and charities. Uh, that seems to be working so far. So the um, the wage subsidy I just mentioned that is applicable to nonprofits and charities. Um, businesses are limited to small businesses. Um, so, so far that advocacy seems to be working, but they just want to really make sure crystal clear that the federal government is thinking of nonprofits and charities. So that seems to be working. Second is they want to see uh, folks not talk about the business sector when it comes to support, because if we focus on just supporting businesses through this crisis, then we're going to forget about all the nonprofits and community service organizations that are crucial to our communities. So, and I'd encourage any of you locally, if you're talking with your respective city councilors, mayors, um, whoever it is, make sure they are talking. The language is not, hey, how do we support business through this? It's like, no, 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 no. That's how do we support organizations? How do we support employers is the language of managing Canada because employers will include you. Uh, we don't want the sector to get lost and its support. The last thing we need from this pandemic is to see you know, relief efforts for cruise lines and no relief efforts for homeless serving organizations. So that's not what that one's about. Um, second, at the federal level, just making sure organizations can ask, access low interest or forgivable loans. Um, well, I was going to say something about that. Well, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Uh, simply that, just accessing um, funds at the federal level. And then this next one, continued funding, is um, interesting to make sure the government departments and agencies, they continue to flow uh, funds through grant and contribution programs. I should mention, too, at the provincial level here in BC, there's uh, some advocacy happening with the provincial government to make sure that funders of nonprofits and charities are included as an essential service. In other words, that funders will still be able to keep running and funding the things that they fund, um, even if there's a call for uh, closure of everything except uh, essential services. For everyone on the calls, uh, knowledge on that's what Ontario, um, what they've done is they've their definition of essential uh, services has included. Um, I think I'm not 100 percent sure of that I'm 95 percent sure it's included uh, funders to make sure that the money can keep going in, even in the midst of complete closure. And then at the federal level to consider a matching charitable donation program. And that charitable matching program is why I want any of you contemplating a fundraising campaign of some kind just to check out Canada Helps to make sure you're aware of any other campaigns that you see. Because uh, uh, you, you may see a campaign there that you think actually that campaign would directly impact us. So in, in other words, get involved in that one as opposed to running your own fundraising campaign, right? And if we could have some matching programs where um, either agencies or individual philanthropists or matching donations that come in, that would be terrific. So those, those are the, uh, oh, I said six, I lied, it's five. <laughs> so any questions about those or comments? Um, let's see here. People are, are definitely asking questions about the EI process and, and who qualifies um, or people whose hours are reduced and all of those answers can be found at the EI website. 
Um, like if you're laid off, but you're still working part time, I'm pretty sure I was reading the page yesterday that they've made provisions for everybody who's affected. Um, and I think there's different requirements now, like you don't necessarily have to have a certain amount of hours. Um, but you need to check that page for this year specific context. Um, I think the goal is to provide support to everybody whose income has been affected by the pandemic, but, um, You'll need to double check with the government on that. So that's a really good point. And actually, it's one of the things I was going to talk about on my next slide. There are, for that piece, the I support, there's a lot. And Sarah, what you just said is completely correct. There are supports for kind of every, everybody, any way anybody's conceivably impacted right now. To, to the point where it's confusing. So if you're having to go on EI because you have to isolate right now, there's a program for that. If you're having to go for on EI because you have to stay home and take care of someone, there's a program for that. Um, there's never mind EI, there's just um, uh, income supports for folks who are not eligible for EI. Mm-hmm. So there's actually a whole number of categories and, and, and because some of it, so there's a, a range of categories in an attempt to cover everyone who may be um, in a precarious employment situation because of this. But there's also the legislation hasn't passed. So for some of them, there's not even application information out there yet. So what I'm and this is going to be time consuming. Um, one of my takeaways for everyone on this call is to task someone in your organization with going through all that material and um, building up your own version of what employment supports are your people eligible for. Mm-hmm. Um, in your organization. And unfortunately, I think every organization needs to make one for themselves because simply there's just too much out there for people to make sense on their own of what they're personally eligible for. Um, So at Columbia College, we've got somebody doing that and it's taking her a lot of time, actually. (laughs) So, and it's unfortunate, but it's also fortunate that all these supports are out there. So one of your takeaways, uh, you know, this week is to figure out, okay, who's got time? which is no one. So, but trying to find someone who's got time to go through all this material and create a one page word doc of employment supports available to your people uh, right now. That's unique to you because there's some of the support programs are not going to be applicable to your organization. So having someone go through that stuff and make a simple word doc, one page of the stuff that, and then simply sending that out uh, to your, to your people would be really, really advisable um, and very important right now. And, you know, this is where we get, we lean into our relationships. So I live in a co-op. There's a lot of people getting laid off right now, but there's one person who's already applied for EI and is a seasonal worker. And so they actually stepped up as a volunteer and posted on our group Facebook page and said, hey, I've, I've just done this process. If you have questions, come and talk to me. I'll help you through it because I've been through all the phone calls and the online stuff. So, you know, you might need to look around if there is maybe someone in your organization who's already reduced their hours or has already gotten EI, they might be the person to talk to about um, helping everybody else navigate the system. Absolutely. Absolutely. No. And um, this is be a chat, like get, get a board member. Yes. <laughs> if they're, if they're not dealing with their own issues, call them up, say, Hey, we, you know, let's get a volunteer board member. Can you take this on? Can you look at all the resources out there and get a one pager on all the employee supports that are available to us? Again, specifically like trying to distill it down to the items that are specifically for your, your uh, people. I will say too, board member too, but um, 
if anybody from Vantage Point is on here, this will be an uh, interesting reaction, but there are in the sector um, consultants, advisors, and organizations like Vantage Point whose conventional services and offering, you know, planning and support for board governance generally or organizational planning generally have been kind of put on hold because all organizations are dealing with this pandemic. And some consultants that I'm personally connected with have been willing to offer uh, pro bono or free services to organizations for kind of whatever they need. So you can reach out to that network of consultants and advisors via Vantage Point. Here, I'm making a promise for them without checking. They're going to hate me. But um, <laughs> anyway, I think you could do that. Just reach out to Vantage Point. Say, hey, do you have any people that could support us in this uh, in this area? And, and uh, possibly they may be able to connect you with a community of folks who can provide support there. And Mark, just quickly, is there, um, aside from uh, the website, do you know of an email list or a notification where people can uh, find out as soon as the community grants are available? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't, you know what, I don't think there's an email list for the grants specifically. Um, and I, uh, I, I went to the website um, last night and they they did not have that so i think for their grant piece it's a it is a matter of checking uh daily yeah okay um yeah That's which okay. actually is a good segue to this next slide which is where i wanted to spend um well a little bit of time so um and the reason what you're talking about on here on this slide i've got a bunch of items one of which is at the top right emergency alerts what i mean by that is right now and we found this useful at Cumberland college there's a lot of information out there is tasking someone in your organization with checking the internet <laughs> and, che and spending 30 minutes a day, either in the morning or um, 4 p.m. and whenever it is, just checking key websites or information docs. So for myself, I've got bookmarked a couple pages. Um, myself and the principal at Columbia College, her and I are both doing that. So we're... Um, we're both trying to do it in the morning and then one of us is committing to do it in the evening as well. It's just going to those websites we've bookmarked to see of, of the latest changes that may impact us uh, immediately. And yeah, aside from subscribing, that's actually my recommendation is, okay, identify the websites that you're going to use. I mentioned for me, one of them is the Vancouver Economic Commission, uh, but I've got, well, some of the other ones I've already gone through. So just what are those key uh, sites? One I would recommend is your local health authority. Um, uh, so we've been, one for us has been Vancouver Coastal Health. We've been checking them for their alerts, the province of BC, and then the ones that I checked with. So dedicating someone to look at that stuff daily. And in the current environment, I think that would include the funding ones. Um, so yeah, kind of a long answer to that question, but there you go. That's a good one. <laughs> so I'm going to keep going um, through this uh, slide. So a lot of questions, this is the, <laughs> the long-winded answer to what should we do right now? <laughs> well, the, I mean, the, the potential answer is, oh my gosh, a lot and everything. Um, a better answer is to say, okay, as an organization in the midst of a pandemic, are we doing things in each of these categories? These are categories used from KPMG. So they have a great resource that we found very useful at Columbia College, a pandemic planning guide. If you just Google KPMG pandemic planning, you'll come across a PDF of their, or their website where they've got a PDF of this resource if you find this useful. And you don't have to do all these things, but this would be your short checklist. Okay, what are we doing around the governance and decision-making? What are we doing for our people, the human resources? What are we doing to just make sure operations keep going? What are we doing in communications right now? And then what are we doing to uh, make sure the facility uh, is safe? 
um, and we're um, supporting our infrastructure. So those are the key categories in your checklist that you'll be kind of in the midst of a pandemic wanting to think about, okay, what do we need to be doing in each of these categories weekly and then in the medium to long term? And then the KPMG resource further breaks each of these down into case uh, these other parts uh, of each of these five categories. So for governance, a preparedness team. So this is a small team of folks to meet very frequently and just assess the immediate things you need to be doing right now. Most groups have already done this. They've got some team that just connects um, either daily or every two days or a couple times a week to say, okay, what's what's the latest? What's going on? This is where whoever was moni is monitoring those websites provides the latest update of the latest announcement that'll impact your planning. This may or may not include board members. For most, most organizations, this is not including their board members. For us at Columbia College, this is our admin team. So last week we met every day to deal with everything, to put out fires, to <laughs> plan ahead, to monitor the updates that were, the supports that were coming out, what that meant for us. This week we're um, meeting three times and I think next week we're gonna meet uh, twice uh, a week. And that's just, that's like your emergency planning team. Hey, what's going on? What do we need to do right now? Second is thinking, okay, what are we doing to educate our, our, our staff and employees? So I don't know if folks in the call, but for us, the emails have been constant, uh, internally, <laughs> yeah. just, just internally questions from our staff to the point where we had to put a hard like stop on employee and say, okay, stop emailing. Cause they were, everybody was emailing everybody, which for us is 250 people. And that was getting crazy. So we had to say, okay, stop doing that. Um, if you've got a resource that you think is useful, an update, uh, an email from grandma about how to deal, respond to coronavirus, um, or a question, you email it to two people. Um, so in our case, we identified those two people. And then those two people, what they did is at the end of every day, they created an FAQ that they emailed out um, at 4 p.m. every day to all staff to say, hey, here's the latest on what's going on, both what we're doing and good resources that we've come up against and answers to questions. So we published that FAQ and it's an internal staff only FAQ sheet on what the heck is going on right now. So that was our way of dealing with the email chain, the internal email chains that were uh, coming up. Would really advise having um, some place, it's actually in the next line on here under human resources. You see the last one is internal access to WHO, World Health Organization and local health stuff. Some place for employees to kind of go in and just see um, the, the latest. So for us, we use Microsoft SharePoint. It's like a version of Google Drive or something. So we have a shared document uh, or a shared folder, pardon me, which has shareable files where we're just keeping populated with the latest information so that employees um, can go and access the latest uh, about, about both what we're doing as a college and uh, the latest updates about numbers and um, things to mitigate uh, COVID-19. And Mark, I just want to jump in here, just thinking about, um, <clears throat> I used to work for a community center in the downtown east side for the city, and I had a city email, but I never checked it because oh. I was a frontline worker, and I couldn't access the city computer, yeah. and I couldn't check my email from home. So um, just a note to managers and supervisors, um, do make sure that you have a couple different streams, and it might just be what my manager did was we had a log book and sometimes she would just print out an FAQ sheet there based on the days, what had happened, or she would get us all together at for 10 minutes. Um, 
when all staff are on and just say, hey, this is what's happening today. This is what you need to know to do your job. Uh, any questions, right? So um, yeah, I know you're probably going to talk about that in communications, but just don't always rely on email because a lot of frontline staff and workers, um, they might have a, an email account with your organization. I was a city worker and I had a city email, but I never checked it <laughs> because I didn't have That's access. A, yeah. No, I love I love that point. Uh, absolutely, um, and I think in in the midst of I, I think the point of emphasis here, rather than relying on ad hoc and sporadic communications that are coming from everyone to everyone else or whenever a federal update is available, some format like what you're describing, Sarah. So hey, it's a certain time every day. We're just going to get together ten minutes and just do a quick update, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so for us, if it was a four p.m. email to everyone with a frequently asked questions, I mean maybe it's a text message at that time. Well, that might be. Actually, I don't know how that would work, <laughs> depending on how many people you have. But yeah, I appreciate it. just putting some consistency around when we're communicating things. The other thing, too, around communications, we've really had to do this, is to be honest when you don't know. Like, let's be honest. I mean, I know our politicians are all acting like they have all the answers. They don't know. Like, nobody knows how long this is going to be. I mean, everyone's pretending to have answers. <laughs> like, And there's some things we can kind of foresee, but we don't really know. So if you as a manager, you just say you don't know. If you don't know something and you'll get back to folks and... Um, and use your board. If questions come up that you don't have an answer to, flip it to the board and see if they've got an answer right now. They uh, may be a great resource right now. Um, so yeah, under human resources, just all employee contact information is that you've got a way to contact people right now. And that um, if you do have folks working from home, you you are you are clear at this point, uh, now that we're into the pandemic, uh, to some extent, you're clear on what working from home looks like, um, both policy. Now, that's a whole conversation, that one, um, uh, which I'm I'm going to keep going. And if there's questions at the end about that, we can address those. Okay, operational continuity, um, making sure critical functions are, are covered. There's some things that you can't do virtually. So you've identified those. You've figured out ways to carry those out. My assumption is that everybody on this call is going to be designated as, a, as an essential service um, in the case of a full provincial closure. So being and again, I pulled up that union gospel mission. To me, they've answered pretty clearly what that's going to mean uh, for them. So if you're needing a tangible example of what operations look like, given that you've got, you know, new operating environment, that could be useful. And then what are new systems you might need in place? Now, systems, you know, could mean online things, um, but it might be mean other things too, like what Sarah just talked about. Maybe it's a certain time we need to just connect in person, um, hopefully two meters away from each other. <laughs> <laughs> right. To, if you're still carrying out live to, to verbally update each other, or maybe actually um, one that I'm reminding people of that seems to be forgotten amidst all these online platforms, teleconference lines. Like I know computers and, and internet usage, but if you've got a teleconference line that you can use, um, certainly not ideal, but if everybody can call into a certain number um, at a certain time. If you've got some way to do that, that could be another uh, one that I'm finding myself reminding people of a lower tech solution that can be effective. Okay, and then yeah, Sarah talked about this uh, communications so just making sure you are communicating uh, with all the different folks that need to be you need to be talking to right now uh, frequently. Um, and there's a bunch of categories on this slide, but suffice to say, how are you communicating internally with folks? Then how are you communicating externally? Um, I think really important to think of who in your team is just providing, focusing on what your what your team needs, your staff. Like, who's that point person for your staff when they have questions, when they're stressed, when they're anxious? Who are they going to? 
is it the ED? Is it you? Um, is it clear? Is there a COVID-19 response person that's collecting questions around stuff, right? So maybe you already have that answered, but if you haven't gotten clear on that um, and given your employees the assurance of, hey, right now, if you've got questions or you're stressed out or um, you're not sure what to do, like here's your person just making sure that's that's clear. And then from the KPMG resource, I did find that some of their categories for the last one here, facilities and safety uh, valuable. So looking ahead the next three months, do you know where your supplies are gonna come from as the pandemic uh, continues? What's your current inventory? So, you know, um, how how is your inventory of whatever uh, resources you need drawing down? Um, and then, um, I mean, most people have already had to deal with this stuff, so I'm not going to belabor the point, but I found these categories useful for um, response right now. So I'll pause there if there's any questions or if people uh, on the call have come up with useful approaches to deal with any of these five items that you might find valuable in sharing. Um, I just want to add something that I learned, uh, I think it was on Monday with our call with Corey Ranger, who's a public health nurse working on the front lines. And he was recommending in terms of supplies, check in with um, your local nail salons, restaurants, hairdressers, um, other types of places that are closed. Um, use your relationships in your community because th they're donating their gloves and their masks. So for example, nail salons, they use masks when they uh, sand down your nails and all of that stuff. And they're not operating right now. So a lot of them are donating their their oh, wow. supplies. Restaurants that are closing are emptying their um, coolers and freezers and giving food away um, and other things like napkins, paper plates. If they're not doing takeout, they might actually have the supplies that you need if you can't get them through the regular supply chain because people are running short right now. So just again, you know, thinking about those creative ways for you and your team to resource the things that you need to keep going. That's that's great. No, fully. That's that's awesome. Oh, and, and the other thing is, oh, yeah. um, a lot of local distilleries, especially in the Lower Mainland on the island, and I think in the Okanagan, are now making hand sanitizer and giving it to um, organizations and people who are vulnerable. So call your local distillery. Find out if they're making hand sanitizer, and if they're not yet, say, hey, um, a lot of other places are doing this. Um, we'd love it if you would make some hand sanitizer for us, and they probably will do it for you. That, that's amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Really inspired at the creative solutions that folks are coming up with. And I mean, okay, this is really out there what I'm about to say, but um, I've started to think about, okay, given that a lot of folks are being laid off, um, restaurants, uh, precariously employed, like all sorts of folks. Um, and there may be at the same time, nonprofits that are uh, have to do different things that they weren't tasked with before. I mean, when I saw that fund from Vancouver Foundation, I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if local nonprofits that had to keep running services or offering supports for people in a particular community could apply for the fund to say, hey, you know what, we actually want to hire 10 people right now to do X um, in the community. Now, that, I don't know if anybody would support that or if that would fit any of those categories from that fund. But I mean, I think thinking creatively about, OK, the organization, because of this pandemic, is required to do more. Is there a fund to support you maybe hiring some of the or those, some of those resources that may be uh, sitting idle right now because of the pandemic and because other entities have been forced to close? Actually, the, uh, the Lookout Society here in New West just put up a big ad for hiring. Um, and they specifically said, if you've been laid off, um, come work for us. We need your help. 
Oh, that's amazing. There you go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's terrific. I'm glad I'm not just making stuff up. Um, <laughs> okay. So we don't have too much time left. I just wanted to highlight. So what I, the previous slide was just like, what do you need to do right now? And a quick checklist of what should you be making sure is in place right now in your organization, some categories. This is more thinking ahead, medium to long-term. Again, that preparedness team. I think for that preparedness team, I highlighted to be breaking their meetings in two. So the first part of your meeting is what do we need to deal with immediately, like right now, like this week, next week, the next three weeks. But then to have a separate part of your meeting that is discussing, okay, what are we doing in three months? Like, what do we need to be changing long term? And that's where you that team can be talking about these categories financially. How are we doing? How do we keep operations going term? And then what are the scenarios we're faced with long term if this pandemic goes for five, six, seven months? So split your meetings because those two things, if you're muddling them together, it can get confusing. So split your meeting in half. Half of it is what's right now. And then half is what are we doing three months from now um, if this keeps going? And that's where the scenario planning will be useful. There's a financial element. So, again, still a very dynamic situation with funders, hopefully going to keep the money flowing for if they're funding operations, even if organizations have to close or shutter programs. But this is now when you need to be looking at your operations and knowing, okay, if our funding gets cut off, how long can we keep operations going? You you all, everybody on here needs to be figuring out the answer to that question. And I hate to say that. And I would, you know, a year ago, I would not have advised that because it's a pretty depressing conversation usually, but it's just a fact right now. What are your reserves? Do you have a restricted reserve um, in your financials that you need to be making steps to release to make it unrestricted to move it and whatever those steps are to release funds uh if you have them if you don't have funds that's a different story um so again this may not be an exciting conversation but one that simply needs to happen i'd suggest okay then and then operational continuity of the scenario planning so this is where i'm going to kind of leave things today so this is thinking ahead. So this is not dealing with right now, the next two weeks. This is dealing with thinking three weeks, uh, three weeks, uh, three or four or five months from now. The, if you Google scenario planning, uh, this is one of the frameworks you'll come up with. And the idea is to come up with, it's not doing strategic planning, it's just saying, okay, what are the possible scenarios we might find ourselves in? And then what are we gonna do for each of those scenarios? Now there's infinite scenarios out there for any organization, this model, narrows it down to four. The one on the bottom right, scenario D, is absolute worst case. That's like everything is a disaster. Scenario A is best case. And then B and C are kind of in between. So what you do is, what are the big things impacting us? So I'm gonna use two examples here. So for us, Columbia College, one big uncertainty is, okay, let's suppose that we have to continue doing online courses until January, 2021. So that'd be one access. The other one is, let's suppose that inter for, we're an international college, international students are not allowed to come in for the next year. So those are two, you know, um, scenarios. So the top left would be, oh, no problem. We can, you know, September comes, we can have in-person classes and international students are allowed to come. Good, good stuff, because that's scenario A for us. Scenario D is no, no one's allowed to come from anywhere in the world and we have to continue doing as we are right now, all courses uh, online. So what are we gonna do and what does that look like? And then scenario B would be, um, let's suppose, okay, no one's allowed to come, but yeah, we're still allowed to do things in person. And then scenario C is, uh, forget where I was, oh, <laughs> we have to do things online, but international students are allowed in. So anyways, all I'll say with scenario planning, because we're out of time, is there's infinite scenarios out there, especially right now. 
Um, I'd encourage, it's impossible to contemplate all the conceivable outcomes for your organization. This is a useful framework to hone in on, okay, what are the four? And, you know, we, we often start with best case, worst case. Well, come up with two more. So what's your best case scenario in the next six months? What's the worst case scenario? And then what are two that are kind of in between? And this gives a bit of a, a framework to do that. And, and you need to be thinking this through uh, right now. So for homeless serving organizations, you know, maybe one is, yeah, the agency or funder that provides funding for you, um, they indicate they can't continue to fund your operations. And then the other is you are told you need to shut your doors. And then what is, so what are all the scenarios and different implications of that? So I'll I'll leave it at that, but suffice to say um, for that preparedness team, in addition to dealing with the right now, to be thinking ahead and doing some scenario planning for, I would suggest a three to six month horizon. And again, a worst case scenario is to assume this goes on until December. Um, uh, and Mark, my, my opinion is nobody knows. Uh, yeah, right. we actually have until 1130. Um, but if you're done with material, that's fine. We can take questions. But just so you know, oh, you don't have to rush. Brilliant. Even better. OK. <laughs> um, well, OK, let me think about this one. Is there anything else? I want? No, I think I think I'll leave this one at that. Hopefully that was relatively clear how to how to use this. I mean, I've numbered these as big uncertainty one number two. Well, I'll just. I'll just go back and unwind that a bit. So if you really want to do this in a robust way, step one would be to list all the impacts or trends on your organization. So the two I brought up initially for that may be applicable to HSABC organizations would be, you know, your funding and your ability, whether you're allowed, whether you're considered an essential service or not, I guess, mm -hmm. um, whether you're, you're allowed to run. There may be six or seven or 10 others. So make that list and then to select two that you put into here um, that you select as your, your your top ones. And then based on that, you come up with your, again, best and worst case. And, and then two scenarios kind of in between those two uh, those two extremes. And then to be start making plans for those and, and what you're going to do in all those uh, different cases. This Doing this too uh, can help with... Um, creating that one pager of all the employee support you can provide to your folks right now is if you know all this, uh, these four scenarios, including your best possible scenario and worst, worst case scenario, um, having those outlined and then, okay, in each of those scenarios, what supports are available to your team, right? So, and maybe there's a one pager that kind of answers all that. So scenario A, best case, here's what we're, what's going to happen to our staff. Scenario B, here's the employment supports we're going to be looking at. Maybe it's reduced hours scenario B, maybe it's work share program in scenario B, maybe scenario B is, uh, okay, everyone, we're laying you off for a month, but then we're going to bring you back in a different capacity or enter a partnership with another agency, you know, scenario B and C where I think maybe thinking creatively of, okay, if, if that X happens, then maybe we actually have to partner with another agency and we, together we do job sharing, but like we share the same staff person to do a job in two agencies or something like that, right? So going through this could inform the information sheet you put together on what supports you're gonna be providing to your staff, uh, uh, your staff members. Um, which maybe include that I'll make a point of emphasis of that last point, um, which I mentioned previously. I do think because there are simply so many support programs out there for staff right now, um, an unfortunate reality is finding someone in your organization right now to make sense of it all and make an internal one pager on what supports are available for your team uh, members that's applicable for you because there's just too much for people to make sense and too many different websites. So just give somebody that job right now, whether it's a volunteer or somebody else uh, to make sense of all that.
Um, yeah, so that's that's good. I was allowed to go over. <laughs> so I guess that's my overtime. <laughs> oh goodness, sorry, Sarah. That's my fault. Um, no, yeah, no, questions, it's okay. comments from anybody. Um, I really just want to take a minute to recognize that, especially as we have a lot of managers and supervisors and a couple of EDs on the line, that you're in, in an, a difficult position because um, people are looking to you to know something and um, people are stressed and panicked. Um, and it's important to think about how you're looking at these scenarios with an honest eye because you might not know, but it's good to be prepared for the what ifs. Um, because then that allows you to have more confident leadership. And even if you don't know the answer, you do know some of the ways that you will respond both to your staff and as an organization. So it's kind of like <laughs> we're, we're asked to look ahead um, and maybe it will be bad news. But even if it's bad news, you have some resources and some plans in place to help mitigate the damage of that bad news. So, yeah. Actually, that's, yeah. And Sarah, just to highlight that, this, uh, I should qualify this. So, well, I, I just made the point that I believe doing this scenario planning is important. Um, the question about who should be involved in doing this, I think, is a big question because right now, for a lot of organizations, that scenario D uh, may not be a pretty picture at all. And maybe that's something you don't want. Maybe that's a conversation because of your team members you don't want to have as a full team conversation. Um, so maybe that is just for um, the executive director with a couple board members or senior management uh, to be having on their on their own. So to give a tangible example of, um, uh, of that one, it was probably two months ago now. Um, so Columbia College, we're an international college. We got students and um, faculty and people all over the place. Um, so we were kind of dealing with this uh, a little bit earlier than um, the province. And our principal um, working with our IT department, and it was about two months ago now, and she just did this with the IT department and said, hey, you know what? She did not do this with faculty, did not do, bring this up as a board conversation. She went to IT and she said, look, can we make sure that in a scenario where we have to do all of our classes online that we and all of the faculty are using, uh, in our case, Zoom and SharePoint and uh, Microsoft, that it's not going to crash, that the servers are not going to crash. And do we have enough laptops to hand around? So that was a conversation she just had with IT. She didn't have a big team conversation. Hey, let's have a facilitated session to do scenario planning. That's not what she did. This is just an internal framework to like, okay, hey, what's where might this go? And that's where we And so IT, uh, in our case, they made preparations. Um, at that point, we weren't anticipating having to go online, but lo and behold, now that's where we find ourselves. So you don't have to have a whole team involved in this conversation, but um, because people are looking to you for answers, for the ED or someone in the organization to be having these thoughts right now, and again, in the current world, um, I hate to say it, but yes, yeah, scenario D for a lot of organizations is really not pretty. But someone in your organization needs to be thinking of that. What what is a, what is a worst case outcome uh, if this keeps going for four, five, six months uh, for our organization? Things don't <clears throat> the supports that we're hoping for, uh, the things they hope to continue don't pan out. And hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully we end up in a scenario B, C or A. Uh, but you, you got to start. Someone's got to start thinking about that scenario D. Mm -hmm. um, I just want to double check that everybody can hear both of us. I can hear Mark. Mark, can you hear me? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, if you can't hear, uh, let me know. And if it's um, 
if it's fine, if you can't hear, try jumping off and jumping back on again. Um, all right. So where do we go from here, Mark? Well, I would say, I, I guess, if um, because we do have some time, um, I would just say, is there any questions about, well, I guess I'm curious. Um, have any member organizations on here had to set up team members to work virtually, uh, or is everybody having to, because of the sector that you're in, continue operate, uh, offering operations in person? So anybody setting up folks to virtually uh, work from home scenarios? Yeah, I'll wait for those to come in, but I would say um, my partner works for a um, an essential service that has been shut down, but he works in the digital department, um, digital services. So yesterday he had to go through a whole, it was pretty hilarious because he's allowed to work from home because he works on their webpage, but um, he had to access a PDF that then he couldn't um, send back to them because they hadn't given him, him access to the main uh, work computer hub. <laughs> so there are wow. challenges. Um, to working from home. But the one thing that I brought out of that that seemed useful is that his manager was in touch with him and gave him a one-page document about expectations. And here's what working from home should look like, but also gave him a lot of flexibility. Like he said, I have kids at home, my wife is working on webinars, so I might not be able to do the same kind of hours or at the same time. And she said, I trust you to do your job and get the work done. Um, and here's a few protocols on how we can keep each other accountable. So that's great, actually. So one thing, if um, that we found useful in supporting an area is a very big team to all um, work virtually is to say, okay, here are the supports from IT, and here's the platforms you should all have, and the accounts you shall have access to. And then um, we provided via IT the instructions on how to access uh, all that stuff. But then that was in uh, shareable resources online. And the reason I emphasize shareable is because what we encouraged uh, in our case faculty to do who are having to deliver courses online is to say, okay, in addition to accessing this, can any of you, once you've done a couple of classes, pop in there and add any experiences or learnings that you've had about doing a class online? So there was a way for people to share what they were experiencing and using a particular platform or whatever with each other. So if there's some way you can support virtual team members to um, share what works and what does not work with accessing whatever you're using to, um, if you are working from home, just so that it's not just relying on instructional manuals or instructional videos, um, but that you're also some way for people to interact with each other is is good. The other thing I'll say um, is if people are in a situation where they're using um, Google Hangouts or Zoom or Skype or um, whatever it is, I've seen a lot of distribution of like PDF how-to guides or written uh, how-to guides. But I'm a fact, most of those platforms, you can record yourself doing a video and sharing your screen. Um, so we found it valuable, even if you don't think you're an expert, just turn on your function if, you, if you're good at something um, and share your screen and then walk through, record yourself doing a walkthrough of how to access whatever platform it is and then share that link to folks. And so rather than have to read something, they can actually just watch you do it at a link that you, uh, at, at a link that you share. Um, we found that useful to get um, our team uh, up and using uh, Zoom is rather than doing a, well, in addition, I should say, to doing a, a how-to guide is just a, video that they could watch of how to literally how to log in and then how to make the, the thing work. They yeah. It's, watch, so um, there's some good comments coming up here. It reminds me of doing a zoom call with uh, 
my in-laws and most of the conversation was getting them to figure out how to use their camera and then how to hang up and yeah <laughs> totally totally so, you know we so kind you of can record a video yeah. of how to do that send it out in advance and then, yeah. <laughs> then, then, you're, then you're set yeah because it does come back to this point um that we kind of assume that everybody's on the same level when it comes to accessing technology but we know with working with vulnerable populations um people who have language barriers or other barriers that sometimes even even your staff might have different levels of knowledge around how to access online platforms. You know, my example of not being able to use my email, I had other colleagues who were street outreach workers, security guards, whatever, and they never accessed that city email, even though all of the notifications and updates were coming there. And so um, it's important to know your staff and know what they're capable of and what they need. And to that point, um, Somebody has brought up how challenging the process is for them because a lot of their staff don't have laptops or other equipment or maybe even an internet connection. And the other thing that they're working through and figuring out to be aware of is that if you are phoning clients or you are engaging with clients um, via the phone or over the internet, um, they're thinking about having, you know, private number come up instead of caller ID or thinking about confidentiality. You know, my friend who's a psychologist um, has been working with Fraser Health to still be able to see clients, but it's been a long process because there's there's questions around confidentiality. So make sure as you're jumping into other ways of connecting with your clients that you're protecting your staff in this way as well. And Mark, I don't know if you want to say anything about the challenges in terms of um, getting equipment out to people or whether there's funding available for that or if you have thoughts around that. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good question. Well, uh, I got a couple thoughts and no, that scenario of um, the challenge of folks without laptops is why, and I'm surprised I've ended up the one doing this, like, hate to out the college like this, but everyone was really like, and I'm like, do, can we just, do we have a teleconference line? Like, can we, just, like, is there just, a, if we have to have a team meeting and, you know, half the people don't have a computer or on laptops, like, can we just phone a number? Yeah. <laughs> and it's a, it's a, it's a group call, right? So tell us all the providers, like they provide teleconference lines. Um, so making use of those, especially right now, and not always relying on um, things like Zoom or Skype or whatever, especially if people don't have those. But the other is, um, so, uh, so again, I am not one of those funders that is making this um, community response fund uh, available. So you, no one can hold me to this in any way, shape or form or hold them to this. But my impression of one of those priorities was um, that they will fund efforts to do communication um, and especially communication amongst vulnerable populations. I think people should be start writing now your proposals to get everybody a tablet a phone a computer whatever it is and if folks um and on the technology front too if folks have um if you're if you're thinking about people who don't have a lot of experience using a laptop and so that's not what you're looking for um sometimes a tablet is uh easier <laughs> yeah so uh, tablets are pretty user-friendly so even if somebody so no one has to um, have all you know they, they come loaded with the apps and it's just like no we're going to get you a tablet and it's going to have zoom or skype or whatever on there and we're just going to use that and you'll get it here's how it works and um and using that funding i think i think to be making an application because that one of those priorities of that provincial fund um is presumably going to be communication tools so um again it, they're not open to applications yet but it, it looks like they're going to be so um i i hope they're going to pay for that stuff <laughs> 
but we'll see. And the other thing too um, is just thinking about if your resources are shifting or the need is shifting. So your organization might be doing something different. Like for example, Carnegie, um, has now closed their washrooms to the public and is only handing out food outside under a tent. Um, Carnegie's in the downtown east side of Vancouver. Formerly, we had a full kitchen cafeteria service. So some of the funds that went towards staffing levels um, to maintain the building are now going towards purchasing of more items or redeploying staff to different areas. And so there might be that you actually are able to divert some funds from um, a night shift that is no longer applicable because of provincial requirements and put that into getting laptops to your staff because they might not be doing night shift anymore. They might be out on the street or they might be working from home. So yeah, things to think about. Um, finding those little pockets of change and, and using them. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's, uh, that's great. And to remember there are a variety. It's, it doesn't necessarily need to mean, you know, a laptop. It could be um, something else um, for folks to access. And I'm, I, again, that example of um, that fund down on the side, they're just trying to get cell phones to people. And they're, I think they're going to use, they're going to rely on text messages to be yeah. communicating um, uh, COVID-19 stuff. Down on the side. So, Yeah. Deep breaths. Um, other <laughs> questions or comments? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. This slide just says, what is something you're doing this week to be okay? Um, we'd love oh, yeah. to hear from you on that. And, and yeah, just to, like, hopefully people are taking uh, a moment or whatever it is um, for yourself, whatever that, whatever that needs to be. Um, many of us, if you got kids, you didn't contemplate necessarily spending 24 hours a day <laughs> so does that mean five minutes with the book <laughs> yeah what are you doing this week to be okay mark uh well i kind of gave away my answer that's what i'm as i've realized um i do need a couple and it's not much but i need to be uh, in a room where nobody else uh is we've got three kids um so it is a there's times when it does feel crowded, yeah, even at home. So I need five, 10 minutes just to be uh, with the book and with nobody else in the room. Um, privileged enough to be in a townhouse where I can do that, <laughs> be in another, uh, be in another room. But then secondly, my wife and I, we've also kind of come to an agreement of what times of day we're each going to give each other a moment. So one of us is going to take the three kids and give the other one just a moment to be, uh, to be on, uh, on their own. So mm -hmm. for me, I, I get my couple moments in the evening and then I try to give her some, uh, the moments in, in the, uh, in the morning, uh, before yeah. the day gets going. Yeah. Oh, and people are talking about their puppies and yes. gardens oh and, um, you know, oftentimes we think of self-care as this big expensive thing. And obviously all the nail salons are closed and massage places and all that kind of stuff that requires capital and time and privilege. But um, I really like the idea of time. For me, as I've been organizing emergency webinars and dealing with, you know, communications requests and new information and constantly changing information, I've decided that there's a certain hour of the day where I don't check my email and I don't answer my phone. And obviously that shifts sometimes because, you know, yesterday I had to make sure everything was all set up and people had all the communication so they could register and we needed to make sure information was updated. But then in the evening I sat down and I was like, you know what? Everything is fine. I've checked all the settings. 
everybody has the least they need to know right now. So I'm going to just not read the news and I'm not going to look at my email for an hour. Um, I, I really like yeah. that. That, uh, that strikes me as really useful right now. And actually, I mean, I mentioned previously, but I would say because there are so many potential sources of information right now, you could spend, you know, four hours online and looking at news articles and reports and different websites and stuff. I, my, my strong advice for especially nonprofit leaders is choose like your three or four at most sources of information and just go to those each day and leave it at that. Cause there's too much out there. You're going to be, you're going to spend your whole life checking the news otherwise. So we, we need to keep updated, but don't assume that means following every conversation. So choose your three or four sources and just check those daily at a certain time and, and leave it at that and be happy with that. And don't worry about monitoring everything every minute. Yeah. I also really like the idea of um, what you kind of mentioned earlier, which is making sure your staff know that there's a safe place for them to talk to you. A lot of times in my management or leadership roles in organizations, I've been so focused on task mode and putting out fires that I um, forget that my staff or my volunteers just need someone to talk to about what they're worried about. And I don't necessarily need to jump into director mode and tell them about the program, tell them how to fix it. Like, so if there's a way in the midst of all the things you do need to fix and all the fires you do need to put out that you can create some safe space for your staff to just let you know how they're doing. Um, that can go a long way as well in, in actually getting things done. I had a call last night with my fellow board members. And the first thing I did in that meeting was not, here's all the stuff we need to know and things we need to do. It was, how are you doing? How's everybody yeah. doing? Um, oh, that's great. So building in those kind of human connections, really deepening your relationships if you can, it, it actually creates an environment where you are able to pivot more quickly and address things because you have first recognized that um, you are all people and this affects you as well as it affects your clients. And I think also too, as a leader, um, it's okay. I really liked what Mark said about being vulnerable, being open, you know, saying, I don't know, but I'll find out or let's find out together is a much more healthy approach than um, saying that everything's going to be open by Easter and we'll all be fine. You know, <laughs> we see examples right now of, of um, leadership saying things when they actually don't know. And I think for, for my team right now, and I think for your teams, cultivating that safe space and that space for us not to know the answers is really important. Yeah, I couldn't. And I, I'll add one thing too, like the safe space, but um, uh, last week participated with just some friends in a kind of virtual hangout, uh, like a virtual happy hour sort of thing. And actually it made me realize, you know what, I think actually the college we could use, because all of our meetings are so structured and so delta, uh, focused on, you know, dealing with the organization and functional teams. But hey, let's do. Why don't we, you know, go online and just have lunch at the same time once mm -hmm. a week? Something. So I think maybe it's making some social time for folks. Hey, let's no agenda. Uh, let's just have a. Even though we're separated, um, let's just connect to um, socialize <laughs> and not yeah. go through a work agenda. Yeah. Okay. Well, are there any other questions before we wrap up here? I know there's probably a million emails and phone calls and decisions to make that await you. And I just want to say thank you for taking the time out of your day, especially during this crisis time to, to join us today. So if there are questions or comments you want to make, we've got about five minutes here. Um, you can make time for that. 
Yeah, and on that note, thank you to um, Sarah, you and the team at HSABC for being there for organizations, organizing these uh, the webinars you've got this week and next week. I understand there's some coming next week for folks to pay attention to. So yes. to folks on the call, I mean, I mean, reach out and and to HSABC, and I'd say Vantage Point also. They're collecting things, resources uh, applicable to nonprofits and charities uh, holistically, um, doing some advocacy. And there's that 4 p.m. check-in for ADs if you're just wanting to have a chat with other executive directors of nonprofits to find out what they're what they're up to is um, you can reach out to Vantage Point as a resource as well. Yeah. So if you want to check in with Vantage Point, there's their phone number there and you can also send them an email. Um, and I just want to say thanks again. If you have questions and you weren't able to ask them or something came up for you later, um, just email us or give us a call. And Mark, um, thanks for being here today. My pleasure and uh, good luck with everyone at the planning ahead. And thank you, Sarah. Take care. You're doing amazing work. It's hard work. Um, it's maybe not the most hopeful right now, but you are taking care of your staff and your organizations. And if you're a frontline worker as well, you're showing up and that's incredible. So take care, everyone. Have a good day. HSABC is a provincial, member-driven organization, and our mandate is to strengthen and unify services across BC that are addressing the needs of those experiencing homelessness. Right now, so many of our members, as well as their friends, families, colleagues, and clients, are facing unprecedented challenges, as well as a total change to our daily lives. And we're here to help support you on the front lines, however we can. You keep showing up, even in the most intense and difficult of circumstances, for the most vulnerable. Thank you for all the work you do, and for continuing to do it every day. Our website is hsa-bc.ca, and you can find COVID-19-specific resources for frontline and shelter workers, including handouts, posters, webinar video, news and health authority updates, and much more. You can also email us at info at hsa-bc.ca or find us on Twitter at underscore hsabc. Stay calm, stay safe, stay strong.